Hello, this episode is going to be long and sappy, so let's get right into the intro of this podcast. First, we've got some Potterless Live shows coming up. There's one today, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, August 30th in Philadelphia. There's also one on September 18th in Boston with Vanessa from Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And then also, we're doing a Meddling Adults Live show, both in New York City, but also it's going to be streamed digitally everywhere. It's a live streamed show on September 22nd. You can watch it live. You can watch the replay after the fact. No matter what, you can see this show. If you want to get to that Meddling Adults live show, you can go to bit.ly slash meddlingadultsnyc. And if you want to get tickets to Potterless shows, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash live. Also, this is the last weekly episode of Potterless. From here on out, I'll just be posting audio from live shows, conventions, stuff like that, because starting in September, I will be doing a new Percy Jackson podcast called The Newest Olympian. Those episodes will come out weekly on Monday, just like Potterless did. You can subscribe to it right now, and you can listen to the trailer of it right now. Just search The Newest Olympian in your podcasting app. And if you support the show on Patreon, you will get early access to episode zero. So normally, episode zero is going to release with episode one on September 6th. But if you support the show on Patreon on September 1st, you will get early access to episode zero. September 1st is when the Potterless Patreon turns into the Patreon for The Newest Olympian. There are going to be new tiers. There is going to be a different payment structure because it's monthly instead of the charge per episode situation, but there's a bunch of fun goodies and I'm really excited about it. You can go to patreon.com slash potterless or the newest olympian.com slash Patreon to check that out. If you're listening to this before September 1st, that might not be fully set up. I have to change the Patreon at the beginning of a new month, so I don't want to screw anything up. So you might have to wait like two days, but on September 1st, it will be fully functional. And speaking of Patreon, I want to do a final thank you to the newest patrons who joined our team right at the buzzer. Shout out to Eve, Amanda Green, and Zeki. And shout out to Katie Heron, who upgraded to the producer level status. Because this episode is super long and I'm very pressed for time, I'm recording this on Saturday night. I'm not going to do the intro thing with all the producer level patrons, but producer level patrons and every single patron and everyone just listening. Thank you for all your support. I cannot thank you enough. And let's get into episode 191 of Potterless, the final weekly episode of the show, which is a wild, wild thing to say, covering the arc of Potterless from beginning to quote unquote end with special guests Kelly Schubert, Dottie James and Johnny Frolicstein. Hello, Internet, and welcome to a very special final, for now, question mark, episode of Potterless. My name is Mike Schuber. I am a 29-year-old man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. I read them as an adult. I made a podcast for about five years, and now I am no longer going to be making it weekly because I'm going to be covering Percy Jackson and the Olympians weekly on a new podcast called The Newest Olympian. But before we make that transition, we wanted to do one final look back episode of Potterless. So you'll be hearing from three main voices, people who have been here for quite some time. I am currently sitting next to one of the guests, so you probably can guess who that is. The later voices you will hear are Dottie James and Johnny Frolicstein. But right now I am joined by my wife, Kelly Schubert. Kelly, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. We are very much crowded around the same microphone. Our noses are not very far apart, which we have done before for some episodes of Potterless. So what a way to to close the chapter yep. on Weekly Potterless. <laughs> a big reason why I wanted to have you on, aside from you being heavily involved in the show and the Patreon of the show and also being my wife, is that you knew about Potterless. In that order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you knew about Potterless very, very early on, you 
might have been the first person I told the idea to. You knew very early on that I wanted to make this podcast. From your perspective, what was it like when I actually started making moves and putting the show together? Yeah, I didn't think you were really going to do it. When, really? <laughs> when you told me, I mean, you told me about it like offhandedly, and I thought, that's kind of a cool side project. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of interesting I didn't know about your video and audio editing skills at the time I didn't know about I knew you were funny but I didn't know you were professional funny <laughs> and so uh, when you when you said you had an idea I mean I've given you at least a hundred of my podcasting ideas but have I acted on any of them no N no no you have not <laughs> But also, you give me podcasting ideas now because I'm a full-time podcaster, which That's is like true. how every tech person, <laughs> people pitch their apps to them. Yeah. <laughs> so people pitch me podcasts all the time. It was different when we were just, did I, I don't know, did I tell you about it when we were in Paris? Is that one? Or had I already been in Houston? Do you even remember? I really don't remember. Yeah. I gotta say. I know I started actually reading the books in March of 2016. So that was in Houston when I actually started doing stuff for the podcast because I was still making the Vine one when I was in France. But in France is when I stopped doing that. And that's where I had the idea to make Potterless. Mm -hmm. And then you, as I've said many times in the show, were the driving force for me to actually do it because you offhandedly mentioned once that you liked Harry Potter. And I thought it would be a good excuse to keep talking to you after I left Paris. Yeah, I think you told me that you had an idea you were going to read the books, and since you had never read them before, you were going to record your experience throughout. And you didn't, like, specify, I'm do a podcast, or I'm doing a video series, or I'm doing a blog. And so I was just like, or like, I'm just going to record in a journal for myself how I feel about it, or like, write in the margins of the books. And I was just like, cool, I've convinced him to read them. My work here is done. But my work here was not done, apparently. <laughs> yeah, so then I go to Houston, I actually start making the show starting in March, and then in October is when the first episodes actually came out. What was it like when I actually started making it? Because you have got to see it go from, oh, cool, he's doing it, to, oh, nice little side thing, to, ah, part-time job, to full-time job. Yeah, I don't think you told me that you were making, like, really making a podcast until you had a couple of episodes fully recorded and done. Part of that was we weren't living in the same city and we had just started talking and, and you probably wanted to, if I'm taking a guess, you probably wanted to see if the thing had legs before you showed it to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. No, and also before releasing episode one of Potterless, I did have, I think, the first four or five recorded and edited at least to some degree. Yeah, so I didn't know about it until you had enough episodes kind of almost ready for release. And then you told me you were releasing it. And then, how long was that? The next two or three years, we were long distance. Mm -hmm. I would listen to Potterless whenever you'd come visit me and then leave. I would listen <laughs> to Potterless as like a comforting way to be able to, to have you around still. <laughs> so Potterless has been very comforting to me <laughs> throughout our relationship. <laughs> And then you started to get involved in the show. You helped me upgrade the logo from something I made in the Mac version of Microsoft Paint to something that you actually used your design skills to put all the little question marks in the Harry Potter glasses. And then you helped me build out the website and everything. So how did it feel to go from just knowing I was making the show and seeing it to then actually getting involved in the production of the show? Oh, you're the best design client 
Really? Oh, yeah. Why? Because you come to me with a sketch of an idea of something that you already have in mind. And the sketch is so bad that I know I can do better. (laughs) (laughs) You come to me with a sketch of what you have in mind. So you already have a little bit of an idea on the table usually for everything. And then uh, you give me full freedom to change it and do whatever I want. And then I get to do a first pass and a couple of options usually. And then it's very fun to have you sit in the backseat while I drive basically and create a mesh of our two ideas. Usually you come to me with an idea. I would say nine times out of 10. Yeah. I always try to come to these discussions with an idea, whether it is working with you for the art or when I worked with Crystal who put together the Potterless and the Wizard on word marks or Bettina for the theme song and stuff. And I feel like a accurate representation of that is the text message thread that I had with Bettina going because she made the theme song for the newest Olympian. And here's just an example because I I am not skilled in any of these things that I ask people for help with. <laughs> and I don't know the technical terms. And I just try to give as much emotion and vibes behind what I'm going for. And I always fear that that won't translate into the thing that the person is working on, but it seems to work. And I always think that that's just because the people I work with are very talented, but maybe me being a a person like this helps. So here is, for example, what I said to Bettina. Basically, the initial thoughts are this. It's for a podcast about the Percy Jackson books, which I know nothing about. All I have to go off is Jackson, and I think Percy Jackson has water powers. So my initial idea was a groove that sounded kind of like Miss Jackson by Outkast, but also had aquatic vibes. I feel like On a Good One by Tuxedo has the perfect intersection of funk and aquatic sounds with the muddled bass and the wah slash twang guitar and it would work with a song evoking miss jackson since it's got piano featured too but i trust your vision here in conclusion the powerful piano and drums for miss jackson with the funky vibes of tuxedo leaning towards authentic sounding instruments over digital sounding ones i'm gonna have to go with patina is very talented (laughs) to take that description and turn it into what it is (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, you're a great client because you come, you come with just enough vision, but not too much vision. And that's the best thing is you come with just enough vision that there's some place to work off of, but not so much vision that you're looking for a specific thing from a specific person. And then you pick really talented people who can run with that and create something very cool. Because you run into that problem as an architect where the client will sometimes get too heavily involved and they will have power over it because they're the one funding the project, but they have no idea what they're doing design-wise, so they will sometimes want to do really ugly things. Yes? Or do you just have to say no comment? (laughs) (laughs) Non-specific clients come with too many ideas sometimes. (laughs) But I don't think anybody in the design world would be surprised by that statement. (laughs) So... You started helping out with the show in that regard, and then eventually you were on the show. I know we recorded it in your old apartment in New York. It was around a holiday weekend because we ended up hanging out with your sister and her husband a couple days after the fact. Oh, yeah, that was the July 4th weekend. Right. Was so that we, the first episode I was on? Yeah, because you were very nervous about being on the show, and there were particular chapters you really wanted to cover, and oh. you were scared of yeah. being on it, so you wanted a lot of time to prepare. I don't, no, 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 the only, no, that's not true. The first time you were on it was one of the episodes, I think it was episode 30 with Alex Moodhart, where we first started talking about that was fun. book five because you hated it and he loved it, so you were arguing. We recorded that in the kitchen of my first apartment in New York. Yes. And then the other one, the other one was, your second. was my second apartment. 
which but, is right next door right. to the first apartment. But that was the first time you were the only guest on, and it, it was supposed to be two episodes, and it became three because you talked about so many different things. And we had to just stack my microphone on a bunch of books, yeah. mostly Harry Potter books. Yeah. And then you were on it. What was it like for you to actually then be on the show and be a guest? It was fun. It's surprising how much it's just like having a conversation that we would normally have, except you want me to sit uncomfortably close to the microphone like I'm doing right now. <laughs> well, the thing is, what you don't understand is that being close to the microphone is not uncomfortably close. It's just good for audio because you like to lean back like this and and talk, and that's how you get quiet, echoey audio. I mean, I realize this. <laughs> it's more comfortable. <laughs> I will say a couple of the times, you're better about this now as you record this one, but a lot of the times I would have to keep making lean-in hand motions because <laughs> you would start up like this, and then as the podcast went, you got uncomfortable with how close you were to the microphone. So slowly but surely, you would back away from the microphone just like this. <laughs> I feel like your ideal situation is to wear a headset. <laughs> I'm just really helping you out with flexing your editing muscles to make all of that sound consistent. Oh, thanks, Dumbledore. I've made your life harder so that it, you can become a stronger person. <laughs> You're welcome. So then from that point on, it got to the point where the show became more substantial in terms of finances to where it allowed me to get a job that was a big pay cut in New York, but it allowed me to move from Seattle to New York so that we could be together. And then I got to the point where I was able to do a remote part-time job and then eventually went full-time. What was it like for you to have the closest eyes aside from me on the growth of the show? Because, you know, I talked to you more than anyone else about what was going on and you were helping with the website. So you were always seeing what was going on with the show and how it was developing. What was it like from your eyes to, to see it bloom into what it became? I think it was very cool to see the group of people that kind of formed behind the show. That was the coolest thing. But I think then and now I've never really, this is going to sound bad, but I mean it to sound good. I've never really paid too close of attention to the success of the show. I let you gauge that, gauge how it's being received by the world. I personally have always loved it and think every thinks everybody should love it. But I've never kept like a close eye on whether or not I think the world is receiving it well or whether or not it's a stable enough job for you. I always feel like whenever you ask me those questions, like when you were debating going full time and you asked me my opinion, my opinion was I trust your judgment on this and whatever you think is right, even if it turns out to be wrong, you can always find a way out of it. I just think that your success comes from being able to work in any situation and being able to adapt to any situation and read the situation uh, well. We talk a lot about certain things and my opinions on things and like kind of talking through big moves. But I think the majority of the conversation from my end on those is this is what I think, but I trust your opinion. You've got a better read on this than I ever will have. Yeah, I think to hear you say that the it doesn't necessarily feel any different, I take it as a compliment because then it's it assures me that the success of the show didn't get to my head or change inherently how the show sounded or felt aside from 
now we're using a better microphone and better editing software and better recording equipment, which helps the show. It wasn't like anything where, oh, now the show's successful. It feels very different. I miss the old episodes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think that the the vibe of you and the episodes have stayed the same throughout, in my opinion, so that if you're not checking out what the success, you know, the world's view of success is, I always viewed this as a project that you wanted to do and you did and created a very good product, a very good piece of art. And that to me is successful. I think it's really cool that other people think so too. (laughs) Now we can talk all about the success of Pottery List that we want, but in your eyes, it has already peaked and it has peaked for a while because nothing is ever going to top when I performed in Portland as part Mm. of a podcasting specific music festival, if you will, called Listen Up. It was a podcasting, not really a convention. It was just a bunch of live shows throughout the city of Portland. It was run by the Tourism Board of Portland. So they had ties with incredible venues where the Potterless show was inside of this old school theater inside of a hotel where they filmed Fifty Shades of Grey. It had all these interesting carved stones throughout the the theater and then a horse or a live show was inside of this really cool sports bar and spirits did a show inside of a basement speakeasy and beyond just the shows being really cool there were a lot of fun things that they did for us as the podcasters throughout the city because the thought by them which was a very accurate thought and and it's paid dividends because now we're devoting a thing where i just talk about it is they treated us really well and showed us a bunch of cool stuff in portland in hopes that during the live shows we would talk about cool stuff to do in portland which we did and it was great but you got to be up there for part of it and it was the most fun you've ever had with anything i've done for the show i think that was amazing (laughs) i I'm going to sing some Portland praises right now. Sing the praises. We we had such amazing coffee and tea. And that weekend was also your birthday weekend. And we don't get to spend your birthday. At that point in our relationship, that was the first of your birthdays where we were living in the same city. And then you flew off to a different city. So I followed you to that city. <laughs> it, was your, it was the first time we got to spend your birthday together in a long time. And it was really fun to do it in Portland. We had that really amazing brunch that morning, which was really nice. That was fun because you got to meet a lot of fans and people knew it was your birthday too. And so it was really fun just like celebrating that in Portland. And I remember we walked to that grocery store and we found Girl Scout cookies. And I hadn't had Girl Scout cookies in like 10 years. It was simply just the best. (laughs) We got to stay in a nice hotel that had a very cool policy where if you didn't have them wash your sheets and towels and stuff, rather than it just be the benefit of, hey, this is good for the environment, which is, I think, the standard thing that hotels do, which I always try to do. But this place said, hey, not only is this good for the environment, but for every day that you have us not wash the stuff, you get $5 credit towards the mini bar in your mm-hmm. hotel room. So I was there for a full week. So I think we had 20 or $25 in credit by the end. And then it was like one of those games. I don't know if you see it on Twitter where they say you have $25 and you can make your ideal Avengers team or basketball team. And the more desirable people are $5 and the people you don't care about as much are $1. And it was like that where you and I did a draft pick of, 
ooh, I'm not the cashews. And you but were we like, had some oh. discussion where it was like, <laughs> okay, but you can buy pretty good cashews at a grocery store for less than this. Let's uh -huh. go with this weird lemongrass chocolate uh -huh. instead that we're never going to find. It, it was amazing. It was but the amazing. cashews came in a cool jar. So yeah, that gave true. it a We plus. did actually end up getting it. And then it. we had $1 still left. still have that in, jar. Uh, it's a cool <laughs> jar. And then we had $1 left over and you could get a pack of emergency and nothing else cost a dollar. So we said, sure, why not? I don't care. <laughs> it was very fun. We did some really cool stuff. We visited Westward Whiskey, which is a distillery that makes their own whiskey, but then also Something in the process of whiskey makes making gin really easy. So they also make Ryan Reynolds's aviation gin. We got <laughs> to sample a bunch of stuff. We went to a place that makes tea. I think it was Smith's Tea where they did some really funky different teas and they were really, really good. And then we looked to try to buy them online and they were very expensive. <laughs> but yeah, then we got some really good sandwiches at a place. We did the live shows. Oh, yeah. And then at the live shows, because it was my birthday, some people gave me gifts, which was very sweet. But in particular, I believe it was Callahan and Dara's a producer level patron gave me a big tin of chocolates that had different flavors and one of them was marionberry flavored oh. chocolates and marionberries are these berries they're similar to blackberries i think i'm pretty sure they are very much like a blackberry but they only grow in the pacific northwest so you can get marionberry greek yogurt and such but we had these chocolate covered marionberry infused spheres of chocolate and they were quite tasty and you were quite sad when they were gone <laughs> it has been about two and a half years since those marion berries and i dream about those marion berries <laughs> all the time i dream of them and they were so good and when we got back to new york we started having to ration them like i was allowed like one marion berry chocolate like a week <laughs> and i started all right, I'm going to let you in on a secret. When you go to the bathroom sometimes, I'd run and get myself an extra Mary and Berry. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I loved those so much. Now, beyond doing fun things in Portland, we also did do a live show, and that was your first live show. How did it feel to be on stage? It was you, me, and Eric Schneider. We were talking about, I think, the middle or the end of book five. Sat in a really large chair, which was fun, and I wore my Hufflepuff colors, which was great. And it was like having a conversation with you and Eric Snyder on stage. It was fun. <laughs> you were nervous about it beforehand, but once we were actually doing it, you felt fine and comfortable, not weird with 100 people looking at you. Yeah. I don't like my voice. Why very not? Much. Nobody likes hearing their own voice, except for you. <laughs> <laughs> you are now so used to it, and all other editors are so used to it that they don't care. But normal people don't like hearing their own voice. Yeah. It's very that, jolting. I had that kicked out of me very early on because I started making videos for school in seventh grade and then YouTube videos in high school. So I got over that quite quickly. Yeah. I've done performances. I've been on stage. I did like some theater stuff. Been in front of crowds. I did dance recitals. I was in band. I did solo performances. I have been un under pressure in front of crowds before. Usually not speaking, though. And it's a, it's a bit jarring to hear your own voice. And I say a lot of stupid things sometimes. <laughs> like, like silly things that nobody's really going to relate to. <laughs> For example, today my mom saw on my backpack, I have the, you know, it seems my nuggets pin. Oh, nice. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, I said that. She's like, what does that mean? And I was like, I don't know, mom. <laughs> you can get one at PotterLifePodcast.com slash merch. Uh, but... Beyond beyond that, beyond doing the live show, you never went to a LeakyCon with me, right? Those always haven't worked scheduling-wise? 
the first time was when I was in Alaska mm-hmm. with my brother. He biked to Alaska. I don't so think that I, was the first time. Is that Maybe, the second time? That was one of the times I was, I think that might've been the first time I was a guest. There was one in Dallas where I was just a panelist. That was the first one. Oh, and I think I was living in New York at the time. Right. And I couldn't get off work to yeah. go to it. Then the next year in Dallas was my very first one where I was a guest. And that's the one where Tom Felton was there. Megan went with me to those. You gave me the tickets as a Christmas gift. I did. And then after you gave me the tickets, I said, Mike, my, my brother's biking to Alaska and I'm going to be there with him that week. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out too well. That didn't work out. Where's my Christmas gift redo? <laughs> I think I got you something else to make up for it. Speaking of which, I need my birthday present redo because Why? the BTS Concert oh, got canceled. That's true. Yeah. Well, you also got me the travel book it. for Christmas in <laughs> Christmas 2019. You got me the big book of travel. So I feel like we're even. <laughs> Honestly, I don't need any gifts. <laughs> but you haven't done a leaky con. That will change at some point. And then you can hang out with me in the green room and then see Harry Potter people. So that might surpass Portland, though I don't know if if anything can top free Marionberries and stuff. I know. Wasn't there a third leaky con though? Yeah, there was Boston after that Dallas one. I was doing something that weekend too. I think I had a yeah. wedding. Yes, you did. Goodness gracious. <laughs> leaky con just searches through my schedule calendar and says, aha, <laughs> Kelly's got this thing she cannot undo. <laughs> Boston's close to her, but let's make this hard. <laughs> She's going to have to pick between her best friends <laughs> and LeakyCon. <laughs> now, though you haven't been able to go to a LeakyCon, you have been able to go to multiple visits of the Orlando and California Universal Studios theme park under the guise of my podcast producer Kelly Beckman is also going to be attending with me is that okay to get free tickets to go I think I was your assistant <laughs> yeah I don't know what the terminology your, your was associate. but basically there were three times where I was able to flash my Potterless status and say hello I host the most popular Harry Potter podcast could I get free tickets because and this was true I ended up doing an episode about the theme parks so I told them it was for research for the show and then I would talk to them and then there was a plan I was going to make an episode where I interviewed folks from Universal Studios but then COVID happened and then Universal Studios opened up during the height of COVID and I didn't want to do an episode with them anymore because that was not something I appreciated. And then also the J.K. Rowling stuff. Uh, so that episode kind of fell flat. Though I did eventually post the one of that I did live in Florida about the theme parks. I do think I earned the title of associate. Yeah, I, mean, I have, you been, have, your, I have been your in-house expert for a long time. You do ask me questions sometimes. But I will say, I'm a Disney kid at heart. I'm a universal kid at heart. I love them both. I don't discriminate. I like them both. That was amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know Percy Jackson is Disney, right? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I know. And I feel like they should make a Percy Jackson ride, and then we should go uh, do that. I would not be surprised if they make it after the Disney Plus show pops so off, largely due to the success of my podcast, putting Percy Jackson <laughs> on the map, of course. Uh, but I'm going to need to read the books. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, you you have always been a part of the show from helping me kind of craft the ideas behind the show to you were really early on 
because I didn't want to read chapter titles, you would look at the chapter titles in the oh, table yeah. of contents and you would tell me, oh, you should cover this many chapters because this chapter ends on a cliffhanger. So you're going to want to do the next one, blah, blah, blah. I did do that. And I then, forgot how stressful my life was when you were reading the oh, books. Oh, when I was over, not like, a spoiler-free boy. For three years, I monitored the Facebook posts. Like, I would... Every time I would go to the bathroom at work, I would check to see if somebody posted a spoiler. Yeah. Thankfully, we had the mod team come in. And shout out to yeah, everyone that is part of the mod team. I, I have not given them enough credit on the podcast, but they have done a lot. They had a lot of work on their hands when we had the two groups, the spoiler group, and then the non-spoiler group. And then things lightened up a little bit in the spoiler-free boy world, but there was yeah, still a lot to do. And I hate using Facebook, so I appreciate them monitoring the group. I had to, like explain to my family and like bribe them a little bit with candy to not say anything about Harry Potter when you were over. And the hardest one is my dad because he would just genuinely forget what was a spoiler and what wasn't and that you needed to be not spoiled. So I just like always had to hover over whenever conversation turned Harry Potter, I would hover and just be ready to like scream in somebody's face and just make weird noises to make them stop talking, which I have done. And then I make them whisper to me what they're going to say. And then I either, I usually prove it. I'm usually like, oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you helped me craft the show early on and then you helped with the art. You've helped with a bunch of pieces of merch, the digital merch, physical merch, obviously all the website stuff. I do a little bit of it, but you do all of the frustratingly annoying parts of it. You helped design it in the first place. So you have been a big part of the show in many different ways. Like I do, you wear a lot of hats and I've always appreciated what you've done for the show. And then also just beyond that, just the support you've given me and just always supporting my endeavors with this. When I decided to do a job, that was a huge pay cut. When I decided to then go from that to a part-time job, when I decided to then go full-time with this. So you've always been supportive of the big major steps and how things have changed just in terms of how it affects our lives. And then also you've had a lot of patience with me needing to edit a lot or record at weird times or bring microphones on trips or turn your sister's bedroom into a recording <laughs> studio in Texas. You've always been very understanding and appreciative of things that can happen with the job because sometimes really strange things happen where there's a big issue and I got to re-record something or, oh crap, I left something in the studio and I got to catch a ferry. Like there's been a lot of stuff that's come up and you have very much rolled with the punches when I think it would have been very easy for you just to get very upset with me. And you've always been nice and kind about the certain curveballs that being a full-time podcaster can throw into life. I appreciate podcasting for giving you a way to show your creative talents and a way to make your job and what you do something that you enjoy and something that's fun and something that's you know very flexible it comes with a lot of benefits for for you and for our lives and so i appreciate podcasting for what it gives so if every now and then you have to come and wake me up and say, I got to record something in here. Be quiet now. I can't, that's the biggest thing is that, Kelly, you need to stop making noise now. <laughs> you don't. You're, I, I love you. you, you <laughs> great. Great intro. <laughs> I do feel like when I tell you I need you to be quiet, 
the little inner workings of your brain are like, oh no, let's make noise. There have been multiple <laughs> times, especially in this apartment in New York, where I'm like, hey, Kelly, I'm about to record something. Can you be quiet? And I think your stomach is linked to your ears because when you hear that, your stomach's like, oh, we're hungry right now. And we need to use the microwave right now. And our microwave is so loud in every facet in that the door is loud, the buttons when you push them are loud, the beep it makes when it finishes is loud. I feel like future home, we should upgrade to a quiet microwave. (laughs) But there's just been so many different times where you've tried to occupy yourself You, and I appreciate this so much, you are very good about being a proactive cleaner, but I do find that there have been multiple times where you try to do some sort of weird cleaning thing while I'm recording, where you've decided, (laughs) ooh, I'm going to dust in this thing or wipe down this weird thing, and then the step stool collapses and makes a loud noise <laughs> or the plates all clatter. <laughs> like, there, was a, there was that one time there was a roach that ran out during your recording. I screamed so loud that the, whoever you were recording with thought that I was dying. <laughs> but I do think the roach was big enough that it warranted that scream. I've taken a couple of uh, phone calls or FaceTime calls from inside our coat closet, yes, which is not a large, it's not a walk-in closet. No. No. I am I am inside the coats. <laughs> I have said this on the show, but our closets in this apartment are just as big as a hanger. Like that is how deep the closet goes. And I take calls from in there sometimes. I've taken a couple of work calls. Uh, there's a couple of times I've been on hold with an insurance company or something for like two hours. And then they pick up right as you're recording. And I'm like, well, it's closet time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So I appreciate you rolling with the punches. I think part of what's nice about the show becoming more successful is that there are things that have now presented themselves that make all of that easier, where we've got the studio for Multitude, so I don't have to do all the recording at home. And especially in these past couple months, we've had Sherry helping out with the editing so that frees things up a little bit more. I love Sherry. (laughs) And that's something that I'll probably do with the newest Olympian. I think Sherry will probably be the main editor for that. So With the growth of my podcasting career, there have been some other things that have helped me not necessarily be as annoying with my career. So I appreciate you sticking with it in the early goings when there was so much more going on and more of stop the presses, this has to happen. Whereas (laughs) now, and especially now that it's my full-time job, because that's also helped. When I was really at the peak of working at that digital marketing agency in New York and podcasting, that was when my job was really busy and the podcast was really busy. But I, I still had, saw you, I yeah. basically had two full-time jobs. And what you just said of you never seeing me, yeah, that was something that we had to talk about and address of, we got to find ways to make this work. And eventually me switching to a part-time job was the first step and then eventually full-time. But yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of different hiccups along the way and you weathered the storm and you were always a big supporter of me and the show and everything. And I appreciate that you you were such a rock during the hard times that now the it's become a full-time job and it still is a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but it's a little easier now that I don't have to also have a nine to five on top of a 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. other job. I think that keeps us on our toes. (laughs) Yeah. So I cannot thank you enough and I love you so much and I appreciate everything that you've done for the show inside and out, behind the scenes, part of the show, anything and everything. So thank you so much. And also thank you for being a big reason why the show exists. You're if, welcome, if, listeners. If you weren't so darn cute and I wasn't <laughs> trying to find an excuse to talk to you, this could have always been one of those things where I'm one of those people that tells me, oh, I had this great podcast idea, I just never made it. 
And you were a big inspiration for me to actually get off my butt and do it. So. The really funny thing about that is every time you say that, I don't think I realized Potterless was happening until like a year after you started it. And and I was the inspiration for it. And I, like like I said, kind of remember you telling me this vague idea that I thought was going nowhere. <laughs> kind of remember you telling me that you had edited like five episodes and you were going to start releasing them. And then started listening to them because I'd missed you, but didn't realize other people listened to them too. <laughs> Well, thank you for being the inspiration and for helping to make the show what it is. And thanks for just being so sweet to me. (laughs) And thanks for doing this and recording this because it's late at night and we have to pack and then get ready to go to Philadelphia for Potterless Live in less than 12 hours. And I got home about six hours ago. (laughs) Yeah, from a family trip. So thank you for being a trooper as always. You're welcome. I love you. I love you too. (laughs) <laughs> How do we? Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Here's me talking to Donnie now. Bye. Bye. Hold on there, Pass Mike. Before we get into our next discussion, let's take a little bit of a break here. The final time I'm going to interrupt you to say this? Nah, I might interrupt you for live show stuff. Who's to say? But for now, we got to take a break for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Tab for a Cause. Look, we can't all be Harry Potter. Our contribution to society can't be as significant as defeating the most evil being in the history of existence. Instead, we try to help out in the little ways. And one way that you can help out in an incredibly easy manner is by installing Tab for a Cause into your browser. If you go to tabforacause.org Potterless, you can install this into your browser and you can raise money for charity in the easiest way possible. Every time you open a tab, you raise money for charity. Think about how many tabs you open a day. It's probably a lot. If you're a garbage person like me, it's a ton. And now you've turned that garbage into money for charity. That's the best kind of recycling imaginable. So you go to tab4acause.org slash potterless. That's T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot org slash potterless. You install it. It just takes a couple of clicks. Every time you open a tab, you'll get a picture of a nice serene background. You can add widgets and stuff. You'll see a couple of ads, but those ads are what raise money for charity. Then every time you open a tab, you get a heart and you can take those hearts and decide what charity Charities get the support. There's wonderful charities to choose from. They do timely pushes when there's certain events going on in the world. It's wonderful. And again, you can raise money for charity in the easiest way possible that I could ever think of by going to tabforacause.org slash potterless today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you can off get, your first purchase right by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And now, it is time for British Quandaries with UK correspondent, Dotty James. So, I'm very excited to chat with someone who, it's been too long since she's been back on the show. It's our very own UK correspondent, Dotty James. Dotty, how's it going? Hi, it's so great to be back. It is a pleasure. I love my intro. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad. Thank you for being back. Unfortunately, in all of the stuff we've covered recently, it hasn't been as many British things. So I haven't had as many British quandaries mm -hmm. because I've been doing American-made spinoff material. Ugh, yep. the worst. Yep. But... I wanted to have you back on just to talk about all of the history of your involvement with the show, because I think it's one of the more fun things that happened completely unplanned, where I believe we got in contact because you found the show and then you messaged me on Twitter saying something like, hey, I was going to mention you in a YouTube video. Is that OK? And then I was like, of course, obviously, also do you want to be on the show? Is That's how it happened, right? Yeah, it was something like I was doing a series on my channel where I just like go for stuff and I just like try things. And I'd been listening to the podcast, getting really angry about all the wrong English things um, <laughs> that you were saying. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to message him. And I did that and it worked. And yeah, here we are. Amazing. How did you find the show? Was it a Spotify thing? Did someone recommend it? Yes, it was a Spotify thing. I really liked Harry Potter at the time. Obviously, I still do. But uh, I was going through a big Harry Potter phase where I was just listening to content about Harry Potter, I was like, like looking at behind the scenes things and then just typed in Harry Potter on Spotify. I think that was it. Or it came up as like one of the top podcasts, mm -hmm. which it might have been at the time. Yeah, I think it came up as like a recommended podcast to me. And I was like, this is Harry Potter glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Potterless. What is this that I listened to? I was just so happy. Oh, no, I'm so glad we were able to make it work because first off, you were an incredible guest on your first appearance. And Thank then you your feelings where you said you were frustrated about the British things I was messing up definitely mimics that of the audience at the time where people were certainly clamoring for me to stop getting those things wrong. So I don't really know even how we came about to the point of 
asking you to be the correspondent, but I would assume some sort of strange British word came up and I was just like, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> Can you help? I just remember knowing that that was something I wanted to talk about on the podcast. Okay. When I came on, I was like, oh, I have to remember to say like, by the way, treacle tart is real. Ah, um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. By the way, head boys and girls exist, like that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I still kick myself for not being able to remember each specific thing from the very beginning uh -huh. as to what actually like got under my skin. Um, <laughs> but then I also, I feel like I have a different level of um, appreciation for Americans that might not get Britishisms because why would they? Because they live in America. Because um, my fiance is American. Like a lot of his friends are American, mm -hmm. have never been to the UK sort of thing. So like it became sort of part of my life even before <laughs> Portalus. So it's a familiar role. I'm glad. I'm glad. It worked out really well. I also know one of the first things you did was set the record straight on what is England, what is the United Kingdom, what is Britain, because I was getting all of that wrong too. And I think we had a 10-minute <laughs> tangent. But one of the funnier things about it is I will get messages, and usually this will happen on Instagram where it's very hard to read the DMs, so I won't see stuff until later, and sometimes people have sent multiple messages. But a lot of the times people send a message and it'll say something to the effect of, hey, just listen to episode 20, whatever. You got this British thing wrong. If you need someone to explain or whatever, I can help you out. And then another message will come through four days later where they go, oh, I just got to the first episode with Dottie. Never mind. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, I'm here. Yeah, you certainly fit a role that the podcast needed. And some of the best things I think about Potterless are the stuff that was just completely unplanned. And I did not go into the podcast thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to mess up a bunch of British stuff. And then also think, oh, of course, I'm going to have a correspondent that I will call to in the recordings and then email at weird hours and then always <laughs> Google what time is it in London to make sure I wasn't sending you messages at weird times. Oh, uh, that's so <laughs> nice. That's so kind. I really appreciate being asked to come back. I was like so grateful. It's become like a weirdly big part of my online like thing, I think. Like people know me from Potterless. Yeah, is that actually a thing? I was very surprised when you changed your Twitter bio. I don't know if it's still it, but at one point it said British voice on Potterless or something like that. <laughs> was that such a common thing? I didn't anticipate like when you came on the show, you already had a huge following social media wise. So for that <laughs> to go the other direction, I, I was surprised to see that. I think podcasting again was just like a world that I hadn't cracked or like even uh, haven't gone into yet. Gotcha. So like, and it's a really nice one. And yeah. it now reminds me of like early YouTube mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. it's just this like people, I mean, of course there are huge podcasts, tons and tons of money in it, like that sort of thing. But like, it still reminds me of anyone can do it. And there are people just trying things out. And it's this community that exists there that doesn't quite exist in YouTube in the same way anymore. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to, be more of a part of that. That's really fun. And yeah, and when people started sort of finding online, like, oh, did you know that Dottie from Potterless does other stuff too? Like, it was interesting. I was just like, wow. That's wild to me that people would say that. It's wild that people wouldn't know you are an incredibly talented writer, poet. No, I loved it. I loved being found that way. I thought it was a really cool avenue to like a little window to see me through. I loved it. I still love it. Speaking of the early YouTube thing, I feel like my entire career has just been trying to chase the high of early YouTube when I got into it because I started doing it when I was in seventh grade. So 2005, 2006. Wow. And okay. the biggest thing that kept me going making those videos was the people I met in the community. And yeah. some of my earliest YouTube friends are still my colleagues today, like Amanda McLaughlin I knew from YouTube. Yes. And now she's the head of Multitude. And same with Eric Schneider, who edits Spirits. So 
I have always been looking for that. When YouTube got a little less fun, when more of the money got involved and it was yes. less about anybody can make a big name for themselves, that's when I kind of stopped doing it. And then I started doing Vine. And that was the same kind of thing where there was the community and it was people trying new stuff, just like you're saying. And then Vine obviously got murdered by Twitter. Yes, and it did. then I <laughs> went into podcasting. And yeah, just like you said, I found that people in podcasting were very supportive. And some of the people who were really supportive to me have now worked with you like the team from wolf 359 who now makes long story short productions and they made unseen which you voice acted on yes yeah, so they were fun. some of the nicest people early on i met them as Potterless was kind of rising and i met them at this podcaster pool party which is to me like one of the watershed landmark Potterless moments no it was way. it was this wild thing i've talked about on the show before but i happened to be in new york for an improv comedy festival i was living in seattle at the time and julia shafini basically made me her plus one to this pool party that Lauren Shippen from the Bright Sessions was having. And I got to meet Lauren and some other Bright Sessions folks and then the whole team who was making Wolf 359 at the time. And Gabrielle and Sarah and Zach were all incredibly nice. And Lauren was amazing. And they all said, yes, we'd love to be on your show. Nice. And I was there for, I think, like an hour and 10 minutes. And then I had to leave to perform an improv show. No I had way. traveled like 35 to 40 minutes by train each way to do it. But it ended up being really important. But it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. it ended up being huge because those people were like exactly the type of people in podcasting I like to be around. Yeah. Just like you were saying, there's big shows and there's all different niches, I'm sure. But I think Potterless and now where we both kind of operate in the podcasting space is in this nice, independent, people trying new things, people pushing the creative envelope. Yeah. And it's not like we're in the group of people that are doing it just for the money or making gross true crime podcasts or yeah. anything. <laughs> like It's people doing really yeah, nice stuff. Yeah, there's a lot and, of those. Yeah. Oh, so many, so many. I feel like the world of podcasting that I've found myself in with Potterless is so different than the world of podcasting when I go to the big conventions. Not the creator-focused ones, but the industry-focused ones, if you will. Yes. And I'm very glad I'm not a part of that world. And I am a part of the ones where people are mostly making bank from Patreon and people yeah. actually supporting them as opposed to, you know, big wig checks from giant media conglomerates. It's amazing. There's such a, like, once you find one show, you then, like, find, like, three others that you, like, hadn't heard about or, like, that these other people have worked on. And I just think it's so cool. It's, like, this hidden... I guess it's not hidden because a lot of people know about it, but it was to me. It was just this underground, like scene of creativity that I didn't know was <laughs> existing and thriving. Yeah, it's been very fun. I'm glad I'm in it. I'm glad it's my job now. I'm very fortunate for it to be the job now. And yeah. I think the other thing is you just get to meet cool people. And meeting you was very fun and unconventional, but it's, it's my great. favorite thing to do. I've met some people in the strangest ways with the internet. And I always love, and this even happened before we recorded, I feel like every time before we do an episode of Potterless or whatever together, we just catch up on each other's lives for 30 minutes. We do. And we're like great. an hour in or something. And we're like, oh shit, we have to record. Oh yeah, we were right. <laughs> so, no, you can curse on this podcast. Okay, it is okay. I did that. <laughs> covered by mouth. <laughs> that was a great visual. No, this one still has the red E for explicit. The, the list as well know if I cover my mouth, but yeah. I was sorry. <laughs> Oh, but yes, I feel like whether we've done Potterless episodes or meddling adults or whatever, we always just catch up and stuff, which is fantastic. It's great. And then we're like, oh, right, we have to record something. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's it's why great. We're here. Which is why if and when I ever end up in New York, it'll be great to hang out in person. I oh, can't believe we've so never good. done that. I know. It's, that's wild. That's the wildest thing about it. And this would happen with all the social media stuff I would do is some of the people that I feel closest to from whatever, there's a handful of people I've just straight up never met. Yeah. And that's wild. Like, I would still consider you a very close friend. And I like, we've never 
met. Exactly. It's so strange. It's weird. I was like, when people are asking me if I'm like, when I moved to America, they're like, do you know people there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know like a handful of people. It's like most of them are now from podcasting Mm -hmm. who I've never actually been in a room with. Right. That's what happened for me when I was an engineer. I moved around for work. I was in this rotational program and I moved five times with the company in a span of two years. And I knew people in every city that I moved to. I think except Paris because of either Vine or YouTube or whatever. Like I knew people in all the different cities, which was super cool. And I think that's one of the nicest things about just the internet is that you can make friends all over the world and it gives you a sense of home because going to a city where you know absolutely no one is terrifying. And that's what I experienced when I was in France. I knew no people. And then eventually I started doing English speaking stand up. And those were like my only friends besides (laughs) my coworkers and my roommates who were also my coworkers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's always been nice. And yeah, whenever you get to New York, we'll hang out and you can teach me the world of tea and all that good stuff. And yeah. You can tell me about Percy Jackson, which I've never read. Yeah. I mean, same. Uh, <laughs> that's the whole deal. But no, I, I think moving out to Percy Jackson is going to be fun. You were saying that you you might read along with the podcast, yeah. which will be super cool. I am very excited. It's weirdly emotional for like a listener to like see finishing this thing it's been like years i mean you're how old are you now i am 29 so it's been five years i started the actual work on the show in march of 2018 and the show started in i think october of 2018 was the first episode went live did you mean 2016 Hey there, Editing Sherry and Past Mike. It's me, Editing Mike. Editing Sherry was correct. I did mean 2016, not 2018. Time is a flat circle, and I don't know what dates are anymore. But yes, I started working on the show in March of 2016, and the first episode came out in October 2016. Silly Past Mike. What a goof. Thanks for pointing that out, Editing Sherry. If you haven't been listening to the ending credits for the past few months, Sherry has been helping us edit the show and has been doing a phenomenal, fantastic job. So if you're confused as to me, referencing and editing Sherry at all, that's that explanation. But yeah, now we can get back to the podcast. Wow. That's such a long time. It's wild. It's also weird for me just because like so many life events have happened during that time. Yeah, it's like you got married. I was like barely dating Kelly when I started it. And then it went from over the course of the podcast, I moved from Houston to Seattle and then from Seattle to New York and then from one New York apartment to the place where Kelly and I now live. Kelly and I went from dating to long distance to engaged to married. Oh, geez. Yeah. And then I just went from like engineer to working in podcast marketing to part-time marketing and then to full-time podcaster. So just like, oh my gosh, it's super strange from just like a life perspective to be stopping, but also, I don't know. I think that the Percy Jackson show is going to have enough of the same vibes where it's not like I'm not doing it. I'm still doing a book based podcast about people who have magical abilities. So it's not, I'm really excited because I've only ever seen the film, which Mm -hmm. I feel like Percy Jackson people will Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited to listen to it. It's going to be weird because, yeah, I'm listening to it now from a position of also having not read these books and reading them as an adult. What's also going to be interesting is that instead of it being a British book that takes place in the UK, where I'm very confused, the books now take place in New York City, which I am very familiar with. Yes. So if anything, (laughs) you would have to start the Percy Jackson show. I would be your American (laughs) New York City correspondent, correspondent, where I just, yeah, I just yell about all the different things. But yeah, I mean, they've made some New York references to parts of town where they are or where people live or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Cool. So it's a very different space where I've gone from, oh, what's a treacle tart? Clearly it's magic to, (laughs) oh, yeah, the Met. I know where that is. It's near Central Park. (laughs) Whereas if I read it, it might be like, 
this magical building that met. <laughs> 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 like, is it a building? <laughs> it is. It is the okay. Metropolitan Museum of Art, okay, which great. is different than the Museum of Modern Art. They have very similar acronyms, but one is the Met and one is the MoMA. Gotcha. And one is near the bottom of Central Park and one is halfway up Central Park, which is very long and very large. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, already, <laughs> if I read these books, when I read these books... I'm going to need a U.S. translation. Like, Yeah, you can just uh, shoot me a text or whatever. And then in true fashion of our relationship, I will send you a voice memo from my phone. <laughs> yes. Like I won't answer via text. I'll answer via voice memo, email it to you. Please. My favorite thing about the voice memos is that the way you would do it, I would usually send you a DM on Twitter or an email saying what the question is. And then you'd reply with a voice memo. And because the way iPhones do it now, they just auto name it based on wherever where it was. You are. So you would just yeah. know where, like if I was moving around. Right. Like, yeah, but it's also, <laughs> Maybe this is just a British thing because I think sometimes British phrases are so funny, like <laughs> just the names of them are so silly, but it would say the names of the towns that you are in and it would just be like, you know, Brighton on Hopton Pop. And it's like, yep, okay, that's a town for sure. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Jeez, I got really nervous then. I thought you were just going to say the name of my street. <laughs> no, oh gosh, no, no, no. And even I would always like out of a panic of just in case something would happen, I would always immediately rename the file to Dottie and then whatever the really? word was. Yeah, it just, it felt weird to have a M4A file in my download folder with just your straight up address. <laughs> I've never thought about that when I send like voice memos to people. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> it should totally be a setting in, I don't know if it, maybe it is in voice memo and I just haven't said it, but there should be a setting where you can be like, hello, please don't tell people exactly where I recorded it. Yes. What they do now, and maybe they're doing this on purpose, but I have found more often now that when I record it, they do it by a establishment that is close to you. Uh, so there have been times where I've recorded a voice memo in the Multitude Studio and there's a pizza shop across the street and it'll say that you recorded it at the pizza shop, which I'm like, great, that's a lot better. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, something... And this is another thing of like Potterless getting really big is there had to come to a point where I, I there was one time on a live stream. It was just the patron monthly live stream. I didn't say where I lived, but I mentioned something. I was like, oh, yeah, I walk past this thing every day. It's really close to my apartment. And Kelly afterwards was like, you have to stop doing this. Genuinely, like there's a lot there, you, you have to stop. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you. I think you've mentioned like where Kelly works or worked as well. Has that been an issue at all? Yeah, that was okay because that didn't come up until she wasn't working for that company anymore. Right. That she worked in the Woolworth building, which is in Fantastic Beasts. That so it. that's okay. But thankfully, I've not had any sort of uncomfortable fan interaction. I think podcast listeners are very chill and stuff. That's really but nice. But yeah, it's something that Do you get I, recognized? Aware of. I have been recognized a couple of different times in New York, nice. which is always fun. Now it doesn't happen as much because of masks and being outside less. Yep. But I got recognized in Central Park once, which was cool at Puffs, which made a lot of sense because oh, uh, it was a, the Harry Potter play. So yeah. someone saw me afterwards <laughs> and they actually were at the live show that I did in New York last week, which was oh, very cool. fun. So that was super cool. And then I got recognized once on the subway, That's which fun. was very cool. Just like waiting for a train. Oh, OK. I thought you meant like on the train. And then it's like you have a timed interaction that, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a train I was catching. I was like, I'm catching this one. Are you catching it? Otherwise, I have to say goodbye. Um, but we're on the same train. My dream goal always, though, this is like such a niche thing. And I haven't ridden the subway since January 2020. So I don't know the next time this will happen. Oh, but my dream yeah, cool. scenario is seeing someone laughing at their phone and then like they hit their lock screen and seeing the pottery logo. That's positive. like the niche of the niche of the niche of the niche that <laughs> like I understand that is like one in a that would gazillion. Be so great. 
But getting recognized waiting for a train, I think, was like pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that is really awesome. I've been informed by my fiance tell you how much he loves the My Immortal episodes. Oh, good. I had so much fun with those. <laughs> he um he was getting a flight. He was on the Wi-Fi, so like we were on the phone. And he was like, just hit play at the same time with me. Like, we'll watch this together so we can laugh at the same time because he found it like that funny because I hadn't watched, listened to them. That's at that so point, good. he found them uh, hilarious. Because isn't he's a musician, right? He's a musician. Is, is he a punk musician specifically? Yes. <laughs> or, okay, I was going to say, <laughs> so, I feel like it is up his alley. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like all the mentions of Good Charlotte, like, and he's read My Immortal before. He's actually read more of it than I have. Amazing. I think they were on tour one time and they were all reading it. Like him and the whole band were reading it to each other. Oh my goodness. Um, and Incredible. laughing. So yeah, so he found those episodes amazing. And I've been, yeah, I've passed on the message now. So. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I did remember the most ridiculous times I recognized was in the bathroom in Italy at the museum where they have the statue of David, uh, someone saw Kelly in the women's restroom and then recognized her and then came outside and saw me waiting for her. Oh and they were, I think they were on a school trip. A couple days later, we were on this trip. This is where I eventually proposed to Kelly. It was oh. with my parents and Kelly and then her parents. It was the surprise. They came up for the end of the trip. And we were in the Cinque Terre and I had been posting on Instagram where I was and someone was also in the Cinque Terre. So oh, no, no. I was getting gelato and someone screamed what sounded like shoes. And I was like, clearly this is an Italian word that sounds like shoes. <laughs> and then they said it again and I turned around and they were like, I saw your Instagram. I, kn- I knew you were here today. Hello. I was oh, like, no oh, okay, way. cool. People are like sleuths. People, yeah. people are very good at tracking things down uh-huh, when they want uh-huh. to be. But yeah, I mean, Cinque Terre is kind of tiny, so I get it. The one thing that happens to me every now and then, I will get messages from people who I knew a little bit in college. Anytime I get a Facebook message from someone I haven't heard of in five years, I know exactly what it is. Because it'll be like, oh, like this person who was in your physics class has messaged you. I'm like, I bet they're saying they found out about the podcast. Usually it's like my roommate was listening to a podcast on their smart speaker and I came home. Has anyone done that for you where someone that knows you in life but didn't know that you were involved in Pottery List been like, hey, I just got to episode 50 whatever and you were on this podcast I've been listening to for four weeks? Yes. In a weird way, it happened with a friend who knew I was on the podcast already but then like had forgotten by the hmm. time they got to my episodes. And ah. then when my name came up, they were like, what? <laughs> oh, oh, that's why I'm like listening. And then, yeah, it has happened actually with a few like Harry Potter fans. I mean, because a lot of people are low-key like Harry Potter fans, you know, like have read the books as a kid or something like that. But just in general, there are people that recognize me, like my friend's roommate also. Yeah, again, similar situation where they're like, I'll meet a friend of a friend. And then you see like the recognition, like sort of dawn on their face for whatever reason, for whatever like small internet thing I've done or like whatever. That's always fun. But then I'm like, oh, I'm, you're about to meet me that's not online. (laughs) And she's not as cool. She's a big nerd. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) When people meet me, that is always one of the funnier things is people will say things to the effect of, oh, wow, you're so similar to how you are on the podcast. It's like, yeah, that'd be really weird if I was different. Like, it would be very strange. I can get it if someone makes more short form content, like if someone is a photographer or even like you, like just writes poems or does shorter things where you don't get to do it. But by this point, yeah, like this is episode, (laughs) right. This is episode, I think this one's going to be episode 192 of Potterless. Like there are I don't know the total number of hours, but like there are literal days, if not months of audio of me speaking. Like if I was pulling a grift where I wasn't 
actually the personality. Obviously, I'm a bit more hyperbolic on the show with so good the worst and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But like I'm an elevated version of myself, but I'm still like You'll still me. Be. Yeah. Yeah. If I had kept this up for this many years, I would be an incredible method actor. Right. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> I'd be so dedicated if I was actually a terrible person. Imagine when you finish, you just like drop and become this like low key like <laughs> super shy guy yeah i don't know no but that is definitely not me i am a big old nerd for sure and yeah. that has come through well, those are the, the best show. people so. they're the best i love it i have to make sure when i use the word that other people use it in the way that i do yeah because i use it as a term of endearment i call all my best friends nerds me too. and to me nerd just means like a very nice person who's very passionate about something and it doesn't matter what that is exactly exactly my favorite way to consume like different franchises is through people that care about them which is yeah. exactly what you've done for five years <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so for like Marvel, the only way I got into it was by watching it with my little brother who adores it. Mm -hmm. Star Wars, watching Star Wars with people who really care about it. It's like, oh, I'm watching you. You're the interesting thing right now. Yeah. I think that's what really kept Potterless going and turned it from the original idea, which was just like, oh, I'll go through the books. I'll kind of make fun of them. And the whole thing will just be that I'm being overly critical of them. Yeah. And then by halfway through book three, I fell in love with it. But also what happened, it wasn't just me liking the books. It was the community that came around it. Like there was a solid amount of listeners even before it blew up. And they were all just so nice on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, all the different ways people were interacting. That's what really kept it going and then meeting other people. So yeah, I think like you were saying, the nerds are what kept me going and yeah. the community is like really what made me want to do this for so long and even made me want to keep doing it after J.K. Rowling was the worst. Like if I oh, didn't yeah. care about the Potterless community that is fostered around the show, I would have probably just when she was being awful, I just would have stopped. Like yeah. if my only tie to making this was the content, I would have been like, no, I'm good. Yeah. And you've dealt with that so well. You've dealt with everything that she did really conscientiously and in general i think you're really conscientious about social issues on what well, in real life but on the podcast as well thank you you even i think there was a phrase you used for something and i was like i'm gonna use that because it means i don't always have to uh, have an opinion it was something you said i'm not very well versed on this issue oh i say well versed and a lot i was lot. like i'm stealing that that's great <laughs> yeah. I preface a lot of things with I'm not well-versed, but yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot from other people making stuff, other Harry Potter creators. I've learned a lot from the community and stuff. I've had personal growth over the course of the show, just in the way I speak and the way I address topics. And I've just like learned a lot about different issues. I didn't know in depth about the different hardships facing the trans community. And I didn't even know as much when JK started speaking up until I started listening and reading and having people like Jackson Bird on the show just to talk from his experience. So yeah, I mean, I've gotten a lot out of it as well, which has been really cool. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I love all these nerds yeah. and the people who have been on the show and yeah. the whole experience and getting to meet you. Yes, I'm very you glad too. I checked my Twitter DMs that one day <laughs> <Yeah>. and replied. <laughs> Because I don't know, it was just, just one of those... sliding into a podcast stand. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. Like the way you asked it was so nice, and it was so funny because I remember when I saw it and I checked out your stuff. I was like, "Why is she asking if that's okay? She is way cooler than me. Like this is because this... I'm a big nerd. <laughs> like why is she asking permission to talk about that? Like, and that's what made it nice. Is like I could tell from that first message, this is a chill person that would be fun to have on the show, as opposed to there are some other folks who have asked to be on the show who have very large followings who I've just not even replied to or just said no thanks. I, I remember really clearly now I wanted to mention the podcast 
podcast and a video because it was like things I'd been like doing or listening to and things that were helping me. And it was like, I'd been using your podcast as a way of like getting myself to go out on walks more. Oh, so cool. Because it's like going out and just like walking in silence doesn't seem as appealing. But going out and listening to someone like rag on the Harry Potter books at first (laughs) (laughs) is really appealing. That's fun. Even as a huge Harry Potter fan. I've gotten people who've messaged that they were training for some sort of marathon, half marathon, 10K, whatever. And they said that listening to podcasts while they run was a big thing. And that to me is like, if I am your motivational thing while running, because I run a fair amount and I hate every second of it, yep. but I do it because it's good for me. But the moment I start running, I despise it. <laughs> yes, and I specifically exactly have a playlist it. of it's songs that I just cannot ever bring myself to skip. If you all want to listen to it, just search Shubes on Spotify and you'll find my account and it's called Feel the rhythm feel the vibe but those are the songs that like i just love them so much that i need motivation so when people say that that's the coolest but yeah i mean like when you're a show early on it is very tempting when someone who's verified on twitter or has a bunch of followers or whatever reaches out to you it's like oh i should get this person on the show they have a big following that's always the instinct yeah but i thankfully got to a place where i realized that And this was nice when people would have positive reactions to whatever the episode was, no matter how big the guest was. People loved my sister on the show, even though she has not posted anything on Twitter in five years, maybe? (laughs) Like, so that was cool and reassuring to me where even though that instinct is there, I shouldn't just have someone on because they have a big following because it doesn't mean they're going to be a good fit for the show. You didn't even ask to be on, which was like step number one. Can I not? <laughs> no, you were just asking, is it okay if I talk about your podcast? Um, which I was like, yeah, obviously. I always encourage people to shoot your shot and stuff. Yeah. But there are ways in which people do it that is nice and there's ways in which people do it that feel a little bit gross and I always say no to the gross ones. Nice. But if someone does it in a nice way, I'll check it out. And yeah, check it out yourself and I was like, oh my God, British poet? Like, yes. <laughs> obviously, she's be a guest on the show <laughs> so much fun and i've had such a good time it's like every time you send me like a little dm to explain something it's like sometimes i don't even know what the thing is and i have to google it and then i just like say the google answer um, <laughs> <laughs> because the books were written in the 90s by someone who grew up in like the 70s or 80s right like the slang is a bit off yeah and it's also regional if someone said some sort of idiom that was created in minnesota i would have no idea what it means there's turns of phrase i learn all the time that i've never heard of so it's not like you could be the monolith to know everything but at the end of the day you knew enough and (laughs) you were british and nice and i was like yep she's the uk correspondent and that's (laughs) it and then i had a listener i believe named steven who sent in the music after i used vivaldi spring he was like i make music and i want to make a version that like sounds more like your theme song that patina made and that became the song so shout out to steven because i think (sighs) the intro thing has been so funny and and doing my imitation of the lifestyles of the rich and the famous guy was always a hoot (laughs) the lifestyles of the rich and the famous guy (laughs) yeah is that a famous british person I'm sure it is, and I'm sounding silly. No, 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 you're good. But you know the guy, there was this TV show in America that was like, Life Smiles of the Rich and the Famous, and like <laughs> always talks like that. So that's where the Dolce James voice <laughs> came awesome. from. Awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so that was that. I didn't know I had a birthplace like that. Various so inspirations, great. but that was it. I was just, I felt the best introduction to me not knowing what British things were was using a song that is not made by a British person. Like, Vivaldi is not British. <laughs> True. It's like, oh, this is niche. Have you ever seen 
the Minions movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, but I did not think UK correspondent Dottie James would ever ask me this question, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> they go to England and there's like a bit with the Queen and like it's all just like massively like cheap British iconography, like the Amazing. corgis, like the crown, oh, and uh-huh. the Queen is there Keep in her little cartoon on. format. And it's just like, that's how Americans see us. Okay, cool. It's like that. <laughs> My brain was, what's a public domain fancy song that they would play during tea time? And Vivaldi Spring came up. Yes. And I was like, okay, great. Not British. Perfect. And then the voice, I was like, clearly not a real British accent. Like the whole joke was like, that intro is like not in any way British. (laughs) (laughs) See, what would have been good, I guess, is if I had a Northern counterpart because... I'm very Southern. Mm. I mean, I live in Brighton. Right. <laughs> um, which is the South. It's not the most South, but it is very, very South. And Northerners have a slightly different like culture. Okay, yeah, Probably yeah, yeah. in the same way that different states have different cultures and things. I was watching some British program, maybe Taskmaster, where they made fun of Northern Britain. And I was like, I get that this is a joke, but I do not get the, the joke. joke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As with anywhere, there's like a weird, like, if people come to university from the North and they come south you know people like make fun of their accent if you're southern and you go north people make fun of your accent and i don't know certain things that are like northern in culture so like they have like tea time and like supper time and different words for like food involving chips i don't know (laughs) like just different different things i don't know well you at least knew so much more than me which was exactly zero and i'm very thankful to have had you on the show to lend your expertise but also just to call you a friend and hopefully whenever you come over to new york we'll hang out in person and it'll be a great time whether we have tea and crumpets and (laughs) tarts, whatever it is yeah we can have like a cultural exchange potluck where I will bring the most American foods and you will bring the most British foods and we will show each other. There's some good international grocery stores in New York that I can show you that have like multiple British aisles. So you'll be set. That would be great. Oh, I need to show you guys British chocolate. I feel like you'll like British chocolate. I've had Cadbury and I really enjoyed it. It was very good. Excellent. That's the furthest extent. I'm always down to learn more via food. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show in the first place. And thank you so much for being on this little episode. Thank you for having me. It's been a, a literal honor. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to plug? I know you've got some stuff coming out in the future, but I don't know if it's too soon to discuss any of them. I do. I have a book that is currently in the process of being finished after years and years and years. So that's very exciting. No set date, but look out for that. All of my socials are Dottie James, D-O-T-T-I-E James. Maybe an extra T thrown in there on some platforms. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, but usually by the time you get to D-O-T-T, you're there. Yeah, I come up. That's the hope anyway. That is the hope. But there is a woman my email address is Dottie with three T's because there is a woman that has Dottie James with two T's and she has received many of my emails uh, like even like family invites for oh, Zooms oh of course oh yeah <laughs> So don't send anything to her. (laughs) Yeah. As far as Michael Schubert's go, I am in a quest of out SEOing everyone in Germany named Michael Schubert, which is a lot. Very common first name, very common last name. But there's one guy in particular who I still have to conquer. I've beat him (laughs) on Google Images if you Google Mike Schubert or Michael Schubert. But every now and then some stuff will come up. There is a mayor of a town called Potsdam where the mayor is Michael Schubert. And he's got like all the 
big Mike Schubert stuff. Like he might have Mike Schubert on Twitter or MikeSchubert.com. Like those are all gone. So the only last foray that I can have is when people Google, like I'm the only name thing. Nice. Since I don't have any emails that have like my name in it, that I'm usually okay with not getting accidental stuff. But maybe one day I'll get a letter where someone writes a really harshly worded email to the mayor of Potsdam. Yeah. <laughs> maybe one like, day. Why, why does he live in New York? Yeah. I don't understand why I'm writing this letter to New York, but this makes sense. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> He won't be mayor forever, will he? Oh, is that how mayors work? Right, yeah. And like, I don't know where even I don't. I couldn't even tell you what country Potsdam is in. Uh, me neither. <laughs> I am so sorry. He is not the mayor of Potsdam. He is the Lord Mayor of Potsdam, <laughs> and of course, it's in Germany. If should you go to Germany, you won't be the only shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's why I have to fight this guy because he goes by Mike and I do that as well. So he specifically gets all the Mike Schubert SEO, which is what I'm after since I don't go by Michael Schubert because only my mother calls me Michael. But yes, Lord Mayor Mike Schubert. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, he's been the Lord Mayor since 2018. So maybe he'll run out of it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe as populist comes to the end. Yeah, I'll have to get him on the pod. Be like, what the hell, man? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever read Harry Potter? No. I do have Google alerts set for my name just in case something comes up. It does come up a lot when other merch sites try to make illegal Potterless merch, and then I have to tell them that Wizard On is oh, trademarked, cool. which it it's is. Like Redbubble yeah, and yeah, yeah. And I get to like sound very fancy because I do have an official trademark for Wizard On. Mike Schubert once came up because I think he did something really cool recently, something either vaccine wise or. Uh, some sort of accepting law and that came up and the thing was like Mike Schubert does this accepting thing and I was like what? And then it was him and I was like ah well still cool. <laughs> you get the credit yeah. you get the you credit know? for it. Yeah maybe I was in charge of that legislation <laughs> If you Google me and for some reason age is like one of the things that comes up oh, it yeah, says yeah. I'm 21 so like oh. I've just not aged for four years <laughs> Oh yeah yeah if you Google Mike Schubert net worth it brings up I think some other Mike Schubert because he has an IMDB page but the picture that shows up is me and it says I'm worth, I think, $13 million, which That's is so not funny. even close to correct. I would love to be worth $13 million. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's like a website where you can look at your like stats for YouTube and things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Looking on that, it says my net worth is unbelievably more than it is. <laughs> like millionaire, like probably makes between like one to three million, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> Where's that money coming from and going? <sighs> well, maybe one day we'll get back to the point where we both reach our estimated earnings according to these websites and yes. we will have the fanciest tea and the fanciest crumpet. Yes, that's the dream. <laughs> and that will be us. You can come to England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I, you done that yet? I, I was going to and then something happened uh but yes whenever it is safe enough to do so i'm going to do a live show and i will spoil the surprise that like you will certainly be the guest yes i will wait till we stop recording to let you know what the big reveal is but uh, i have a very fun intro of how i would bring you on stage which would be great but yes definitely doing a london show a thousand percent whenever the world is safe enough and you will be on stage and it'll be fantastic what would be hilarious is if it's by the time i move to the u.s and we just fly over together (laughs) (laughs) oh we'll we'll get first class flight that's what we'll do with our millions of dollars. Yes. We'll get first class flights from New York to London. We'll drink champagne nice. the whole way there and then do the live show. Yep. It'll be perfect. Yep. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> this has been British Quandaries with UK correspondent Dottie James.
Okay, and to conclude this look back and to let Potterless ride off into the sunset, a sun that will rise again eventually when I post live show audio, some of which is with this human being. It's the best man at my wedding, Johnny Frogstein. Johnny, how's it going? It's going really well. You don't usually start your episodes like this with me, you know? I feel like I come on and it's always like, hello, my name is Mike Schubert and I've never read these books before. And this time it's like you're a seasoned vet, you know? You're like a you're like an old man looking wistfully upon the horizon, thinking about your young life. One, is that what you think I actually sound like? And two, (laughs) uh, this is the, I will say this is the first time aside for, no, I think this is the first time ever I've ever recorded a Potterills episode with my laptop closed. So it's a very different vibe. Even live shows, I have notes and stuff in front of me. So this is the, this is the most relaxed I've ever been for an episode of Potterless. It might turn out to be the longest episode of Potterless, but yeah, we're going out with a, with a different vibe and just a, a casual enjoyment of this wild, almost five-year run. One, no, that's not actually what you sound like. <laughs> Two, indeed. <laughs> So we touched on this a little bit in the live show in some of the Q&As, but I think it'd be fun to have it here. What, in your perspective, was the arc of Potterless like? Because obviously you knew about me before the show. So your experience predates the show existing. You would be able to talk about me formulating the idea and stuff like that. So from your perspective, how did this all come to be and grow and change over time? Yeah, so I remember when you and I were in the third grade together. And I was like, hey, you gotta- <laughs> if we were in the third grade together, that would have been a problem. We would have yeah, flunked right. out we, of school. Yeah, you, would, you wouldn't have never had a podcast. You would have never had a job. I obviously knew you very well in college to do that. You were a funny boy. And I remember very distinctly sitting in a Torchy's Tacos in Houston, Texas, in Rice Village. R.I.P. to when Torchy's was good. Yeah, that was a great Torchy's. Um, it, pro- it probably isn't Not anymore. anymore. Torchy's are good, very good anymore because they're all... They sold their soul to capitalism yeah, and yeah. they've expanded too far. Everyone knows that capitalism will spoil a taco real fast. Yeah, it's the worst ingredient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like very sour. It's like cilantro for me because it tastes like soap for me. Because, you know, I'm one of those people that have the gene that makes it taste like soap. Do you know about that? Oh, no. God, the worst. I am thankful every day that I don't have that. So anyway, we were at Torrance's Tacos, and you were telling me all about this podcast, this harebrained scheme that you were planning on launching. It seemed a little far-fetched to me at the time. um, Yeah. (laughs) For a couple reasons. Number one, you know, I knew that you had had a decent, like, Vine and YouTube career, and... Obviously knew, again, that you were a very funny boy. But I was skeptical that, like, not that there was a market, because I knew that there's a huge Harry Potter fandom. I was just skeptical that you were going to be able to, like, reach a mass audience within this market. You know, you were just sort of starting from scratch in the podcast world. I was, I was a little skeptical. And then I listened to the first couple episodes, and I was like, wow, like, I'm still skeptical. But I really hope this finds a mass audience, because it's awesome. Like, the way this is structured is so fun and wonderful, and I love the sort of balance between the tangents and the story. And I love seeing this person who is my friend read the books for the first time and, and get to have all these experiences, which again, I'm not saying anything that people can't relate to right now, because that's why I think we all love the podcast. But then it started to really pop off. And you might've talked about this already, but I remember when Spotify listed it as a featured podcast and it totally exploded. And then I was like, oh my goodness, like, you know, it's the old adage of like, luck is where hard work meets preparation or whatever. But it's like <laughs> a genuinely good podcast got noticed by the right people and 
it was good enough that when those people noticed it, they were like, we need to promote this. Shout out to my guy, Greg. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> Didn't you give Greg like an edible arrangement or something? I sent Greg an edible arrangement. I don't know if I've told the story in the podcast before, but I used to tweet out anytime the whole Spotify algorithm thing came up. I used to tweet out regularly. I need to find out who at Spotify put me on editor's picks and I'm going to send them an edible arrangement. And then I met someone from Spotify at a podcast convention. I think it was at PodCon 2. And this guy asked me a couple questions about stuff, gave me his card, and I was already living in New York at the time. And he said, hey, you should come over to our Spotify studios that they just opened in World Trade Center Plaza, like four Trade Center or whatever it was instead of you know, what, like number four, not the Freedom Tower, but like right next to it. And he said, you should come over and tell us. They were trying to connect with podcasters in my level. So people who are independent, but not big time people who were big enough to sort of make it on their own, but were looking for some help. So I did a meeting with like eight to 12 people from Spotify and they were all going around the room saying what their titles were. And then it got to this guy, Greg, and he said, whatever he said his job title was, he then clarified, I'm in charge of putting together the lists, the editor's picks and stuff like that. And my eyes just widened. And before I could even say anything, he said, I've seen your tweets. So <laughs> then the next day I asked the guy who put together the meeting for Greg's email and info and all that. And then I had a edible arrangement sent to his office at Spotify. And let me tell you, edible arrangements are expensive. They are so pricey. <laughs> like, I think I dropped $70 on this bit. What? <laughs> but it was worth it. This dude has given me, like, indirectly, this man has given me way more than $70. Like $72, like, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, at least $72. Like, I don't know what the world would be like if he didn't put me on the list, because I did have a sizable audience beforehand. Like, I was getting, like, twenty five to 30000 and downloads an episode before this. So it wasn't like I was tiny infant podcast, but it did jump it from that number to about 30 million. <laughs> it did jump it from that to about like 65, 70 after the couple of months I was on the Spotify thing per episode. So yeah, that was, uh, it was important. Well, but, it's the, it, but it's, that's the thing is like, it helped, but he had to listen to the podcast and think to himself, oh yeah, this is a great podcast. We should put this out of that. Like it wasn't just he listened to it. It was he listened to it and saw the value in it, which right. I don't know. I was I've been proud of you in a lot of these moments throughout this oh, man, whole journey. Thanks. But that was one of the big ones. It was like, oh my God, he's he's doing the thing. This is so cool. The other thing was it's not like just episode one got a bunch of listens, because even if the concept was good and the art was good and the little description that showed up, which I got a shout out to myself for character count, because before it hit the dot dot dots on Spotify, I think you could exactly see Join Mike Schubert, a 25-year-old man who's never read the Harry Potter series before, dot, dot, dot. Like, it was the perfect just enough before getting cut off on the app and what people would see. But yeah, people stuck with the show, so obviously it was good. Even if I got put on editor's pick and all this stuff, if the show was but, no one would have kept listening. There's a difference between the show getting a lot of downloads per episode as opposed to, yeah, the first episode blew up, but then everyone realized it was bad, so no one continued. Can you imagine what a bummer that would be if, like, you got editor's pick and then that happened to you and it's like, oh no, my show stinks. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> I was definitely like, in addition to having been on the show, a genuine fan of it, right? I listened to every episode, you know, pretty close after when it came out and I loved being able to do what I think a lot of people who listen to the show probably would have loved to do and text you at like every step of the way while I listened and like, <laughs> 
you know, you would always know if I was a few weeks behind because I would be like, hey, remember that episode three weeks ago when you said this? Like, <laughs> I have this reaction to that. La, 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 la. I don't know. It's just been so fun being a part of it and being sort of simultaneously in the PCU, the part of the cinematic universe, and <laughs> being able to, you know, sit in the role of being just like a fan and being in the role of being like, obviously a really, really close friend. And it's just, I don't know. I, uh, I wish other folks who listen to the show got to sit in this trifecta because it's been really fun from all three of those perspectives. I think what's also been fun with your specific experience with the show is that you have been there at every stage of the show. And then you have also been a part of things beyond the podcast because you went to one of the first leaky cons I went to, you went to the Dallas leaky con. Did I, it was before I was doing main stage stuff. I think you went to my leaky con. It might've been the first one that I went to. I think it was because it was definitely not main stage. I saw you give like a PowerPoint presentation to a small room. I had applied as a panelist and I was accepted to give a presentation about what it was like to come into the fandom as an adult. So it was a more general thing, not necessarily just Potterless specific, because I wasn't big enough to be like, hey, come to a Potterless thing. And I talked a little bit specifically about my experience as the guy who started Potterless, but then also just from a bigger picture perspective, what it was like to be a fan coming in as an adult and how that would have been different from me coming in as a kid, etc. Yeah, so that LeakyCon was super fun because... You were big enough at that point to be recognized, but not all the time. So it was like every once in a while we would run into somebody wearing a wizard on shirt and they would like lose their mind. And for you, that was still (laughs) novel, which was, I think, really cool to see because you were like, you were like as excited about it when it happened as the people that you (laughs) met were. It was very cute. I, that happened to me a while back. I met the band The Head and the Heart, which is like the Seattle indie rock band. I met them when they were like still quite small and, you know, they were very, very excited because I was so excited to be meeting them. And then, you know, they got bigger, but I liked them before they were cool, blah, 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 mm-hmm, blah. Mm-hmm. But seeing that from, you know, the side of you, like, encountering fans was just really, really fun. And obviously, you know, it happens more often, I'm sure, than it did that time when you go to events like that. And at the live shows, it's, like, a similar vibe. But I think that you've also retained that level of excitement, too, where it's, like, pretty much every time I've seen you meet somebody who listens to the show, you've been, like, glowing afterwards, which I think is really neat. I mean, it never does get old to be recognized by people, which is very cool. I'm not going to act like it's not very cool and it feels very good when someone says, oh my God, you're Mike Schubert. Like, that's wild. And it's still new. And I also think, I don't know if I've really been on the other side of it a lot, but I just try to be as chill as possible because yeah, sure. I've made a podcast that a lot of people listen to, but like at the end of the day, I am just a boy. I am a boy who did not read books and then I read books and I am not anything special. Like anytime people get over the top flustered, it's like you really don't have to do that. I, I am just a, a man. I am a chill person. I promise I'm regular. I, you know, put oh my, my pants on one leg at a time. time. I'm trying to think of like a thing that's not that like I also put too many clothes in a pay to use dryer in my apartment building because I don't want to spend an extra 250 on doing an extra load of dryers. Like I'm a normal person too. <laughs> Actually, this is an important point. I feel like we should tell everyone. So you're a very, you're a very frugal person. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know if people know that about you generally, but you're like a very, very frugal. Like we went grocery shopping before the live show and there was a lot of like, can we save 42 cents on a carton of eggs uh, at, at the uh, Meyer? Shout out to the Michigan folks. Um, there was a lot of like, you know, oh, wait, this, you know, price per ounce on this egg carton is, is a little bit lower. I 
have always done this just in my life. I think my parents always taught me this of if you're frugal and smart about your money for all the little things, it can accumulate to where if something really big, either bad happens. Like I remember I broke my arm while snowboarding in Tahoe in California. And because I went to the medical place that was on the mountain, it was out of my network and I had to pay an arm and a leg to fix my broken arm. So you got no arms left. (laughs) So it was a lot. They had to do three Novocaine shots to put my bone back to the way it was supposed to be. Um, I'll keep it very vague to not gross anyone out. But they took three Novocaine shots and none of them worked. And then they just kind of had to put it back in place and it hurt terribly. And they charged me $500 per Novocaine shot, which I felt like was a ripoff because none of them worked. And then they also charged me $50 per ace bandage, which is absurd. Ace bandages cost six dollars yeah, like, they got six dollars and also the hospitals are definitely buying them wholesale so like right no absolutely ridiculous at least they didn't get rid of all the bones in your arm huh? <laughs> because i try to be smart with money and little things like that when those big things come up then it's not as big of a deal or if you want to spend money on things that are very important like flying to go to someone's wedding or something then you don't have to worry about those kind of costs so that's how i've always tried to live my life and then the other thing is now with podcasting and stuff I still keep that going on because I have no long-term job security. I weirdly have a lot of job security in that I will never fire myself as someone that's self-employed. So that's super cool. Like, I'm never going to get an email that says, oh, we're pivoting to video and you're fired. So I don't have to worry about that ever happening. However... I do have no salary, and if people just stop caring about the stuff I make 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, uh uh-oh. 5, 10, (laughs) 15, 20 days from now? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, if people, like, I'm moving on to make the Percy Jackson show, if everyone just collectively decided, eh, I'm good, uh (laughs) uh-oh. So I just continually try to be very frugal and save all of my money as much as I can because there is no security long-term longevity-wise to what I'm doing. I would hope that I can continue to do stuff, but it's not like when I was in engineering where if you just put in the work and not get fired every year, you're going to go up and up and up and be cool. And then the other thing is I don't have health insurance, so I've had to pay very expensive amounts for that. But knock on wood, Kelly's new health insurance situation, getting married to Kelly, great for the health insurance thing. (laughs) America, wee! (laughs) Great for the health insurance, great for the home life. Yeah, leeching on to her health insurance plan is paying out dividends. But yes, I I, I think it's funny that you uh, picked up on my my frugality while we were on tour. Oh, yeah, I've noticed it before. You're a big frugal boy. But that's, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I... I, I respect it. I buy it. I try not. I'm, I try not to be it in like a weird cheapskatey way. But I think the the true testament of it was when we were in L.A. with Multitude for Podcast Movement, and we also did live shows. Where I did both of my live shows, where we did the horse one and then the Potterless one, both of those venues were like a 20, 25 minute walk from public transportation. And then there was a public transportation stop right by our hotel. So I just took public transit and everyone else took Ubers. And Eric Schneider was like, you could take an Uber if you wanted. I was like, yeah, but I could just walk a little bit and take a train. And then it's only $2.75 instead of 30, whatever. Right. It's that kind of stuff. Right, right. Like I will put in the extra work to walk a place or 
line dry my clothes or whatever <laughs> no and you've never said to me like i don't actually want to go see that movie because we could watch something on netflix for zero now like you're like that's not that level right and and that's what it always is i try to save money and stuff here and there so that i never have to say no to a fun thing or an important thing because of money like i never want to have to say uh oh man like i can't go to so-and-so's wedding because it's just too much i try to save in all other walks of life so that if something important comes up I can spend it on the things that really mean a lot to me. On the other hand, I Uber eats ice cream like once a week. So <laughs> that's just uh, that's just the way I like to spend my money is, uh, you know, Uber <laughs> eating ice cream. Never mind buying ice cream before CVS closes. No, 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 no. Uh. Uber eats ice cream. <laughs> The other thing I think is fun with you and your relationship to Potterless is that you've done a bunch of live shows with me now. The first of which, was that the show we did in Houston? It was, yeah. Okay. What was that like for you? Because at that time, I had already done a bunch of live shows and I had also been performing on stage doing improv in Seattle for two years. So I have always been super duper comfortable with being on a stage in front of people. What was it like for you, though, both from a performer perspective and then also from the seeing fan interactions, us hanging out with fans at the bar after because this was in 2019 where that was okay. So from the performer perspective, it was like, I don't know, it just felt like you and I like hanging out and spitballing on the couch, you know? Like it was very like easy to imagine not being on a stage in front of a bunch of people. The one thing I will say was very strange was how quickly time goes on stage. Yes. I remember we were doing our one of our brackets and we had finished the first two rounds of the bracket which was supposed to be the point for intermission. And I was like, oh no, like this intermission is going to be so early. We've only been on stage for like 18 minutes. And I looked at the clock and it was like already, you know, 50 minutes after we had started. And I was like, whoa, that's like very weird. Mm -hmm. From meeting people after the show perspective, I think the best part about that is seeing the fans of the show meet each other. Yes. That's definitely yes. the coolest part. It's like, oh. there have been so many instances where it seems like people meet and then you see them like exchanging numbers afterwards and it's the most Dude. wholesome thing ever. And like creating those connections, I think is one of the best parts about the show is the fact that it's, and it's very much like a community, right? And mm -hmm. so it's not just like, oh, you know, we like the Avengers, like so does everybody, but it's very much like, oh, these people likely have similar interests to me. Therefore, I bet this friendship thing is going to work out. Blah, that was cheesy, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's very wholesome and very sweet. Yes, I saw that happen at the first Potterless Live show I ever did in Seattle. I was very nervous that no one was going to show up, and then 100-plus people did, which was wild. And after the show, there was a bar just uh, half a block down, and it was a pizza place in a bar, and it just had, like, tables and booths of either four or six. And I remember, I want to say about, like, 20, 30 people came through, and what basically ended up happening was people were just put together at tables, and for the most part, people came to the show with one other person. So it was a lot of groupings of two people at this table know each other, but then either two or four other people at the table, they have no idea who they are. And I was just kind of bouncing from table to table, making sure everyone was having a good time because that is my entire energy whenever I have a party or host one, especially because my strange life, anytime I have like a housewarming party, it's like, oh, I know this person from Vine. I know this person from improv. This person went to school with me. Here's a podcaster. My parties are always absurdly ridiculous. But... At the Seattle show, just like you said, I remember when we were all leaving, when I was getting ready to go and everyone was about heading out around the same time, 
I saw everyone exchanging phone numbers with the people that they sat at their tables with because it makes sense. Oh, we all live in Seattle, Washington. We're all Harry Potter nerds and we just had a fun evening together. Let's hang out. And that was so cool. And that kind of thing is what makes the community beyond just in-person stuff make sense to me. It was clear and I could see this happening on Twitter. Some of the same people being in each other's replies and stuff. All the names that you hear every episode as producer-level patrons in a Twitter thread talking to each other. Then eventually we made the Discord and all of that. So I agree. My favorite thing, hands down, about Potterless, as far as what the show has done, the community is so cool. And all of the folks that have either made in-person friends or online friends or both or whatever, that stuff is awesome. And seeing people communicate with each other live on Facebook, Discord, Twitter, whatever it is, that's just the coolest. It's so awesome. Meeting some of the early patrons, too, is, like, super cool, because I, I feel like I'm meeting, like, a celebrity. Like, we met... Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I when we met Leanne, Leanne Davis. Davis in yeah. Phoenix, and I was like, uh-huh. oh, my God, it is so nice to meet you. Like, I am so humbled, because I've heard your name <laughs> 10,000 times. <laughs> it was very, very cool. Yeah, we did that live show in Phoenix, which was awesome. And then you were just on tour with me for two shows back-to-back. We did Grand Rapids, and we did Chicago, which was just a wild new experience of of doing it. Not only just doing a show, but then hitting the road, checking into a hotel, sound check, all that stuff. Like that was a whole nother beast. We have roadies, you know, dealing with our mics. And, oh, that, that's not true. It was us too. We had very nice people that worked for the venues, checking levels and stuff. I think we listened to like maybe like five or six total hours of music on that trip, like in our driving and in our hotel or whatever. And it was maybe like, 15 different songs. <laughs> like, we just like smash repeat on like three artists. <laughs> we have a very good rotation of playlists and it's very Kim Petrus and Dottie Fryer heavy. And what else do you need when you have those two in your playlist? How many people are listening and know who Kim Petrus and Dottie Fryer both are? Like what percentage of your listeners right now do you think know who both of those artists are? It's not a high enough percentage. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely because it's not a hundred. No, right. Kim Petrus should be what Ariana Grande is, but the music industry is against her, maybe because she's trans. I don't know. She's better than Ariana no Grande. No disrespect to Ariana Grande. She's also No trans. no disrespect to Ariana Grande, but Kim Petrus is just better. And then Dottie Fryer is perfect and everyone needs to know about it. The people who know Eurovision, they all know. So all the European listeners are like, hell yeah, dude, I know Dottie Fryer. Iceland's great. If you don't, look up Dottie Fryer, D-A-D-I-F-R-E-Y-R and Kim Petras, K-I-M-P-E-T-R-A-S. And you're welcome in advance. Yeah, they're the best. There's one other story I want to tell. You texted me one time and you were like, by any chance, were you in a Michaels in the Bronx earlier this week and i was like yeah but why is why why do you ask and it turns out i had gone to get this thing framed at michael's and after i had left the person who did my framing messaged the potterless discord and was like i didn't realize that at the time but i think i just met johnny from potterless because i think she recognized my last name because it's rather unique. I, I think Frolicsine is like the new Smith, so it could be anybody. Yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I, yeah, the fact that it was me out of all the Johnny Frolicsteins in the U.S. is remarkable. <laughs> Shout out to Dodger in the yeah, background yeah, making can, noise. No, it's fine. No, leave it in, leave it in. It's fine. It's the last episode of Potterless. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Johnny right. has a dog. All right, my dog's got the zoomies <laughs> right now. But, so yeah, she's like, was, was, was he there? And so Mike texted me and I was like, yeah. And so then we like put it all together or whatever. And I like jumped in the Discord and I was like, oh my gosh, like, wow, that's so cool. Like, 
I'm glad you love the show. Like, so nice to meet you. And then, Dodger, stop. I had to go back, obviously, to pick up my framed item. And I, like, we coordinated on Discord to make sure that she was going to be the one working. And we, like, got to, like, chat and connect on it a little bit, which was just, like, so much fun. But that was really fun and sort of speaks to the, the community aspect of it as well, where it's, like, you know, whether it's you or some of your guests or any of the people who listen to your show, it's, like, we're all sort of just, like, on the same team about stuff, right? Yeah. And I think what's cool about it, every now and then there's a common phenomenon where if I get a Facebook message from someone I've not talked to since we went to school together, either high school or college, I know with 100% certainty before opening it that it's them explaining that they have found out the podcast or the roommate listened to the podcast. It was a very common thing before the show got very big and everyone knew that it was my full-time job when I was just doing it on the side. I would have people message me and they would say, oh, I just came home from the grocery store and my roommate was playing a podcast on her smart speaker and it was you and I'm like, yeah, that's me, uh, blah, blah, blah. So I guess people would do that to you too where if they're listening to Potterless, they get to like whatever episode you're the first one on 30 or whatever and then they go, wait, hold on. I know that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happened That happened all the time. There was a high school friend of mine who texted me about it, and it was exactly the same thing. Like, wait, and I actually think the way that she asked me was like, wait a second, is this you? Like, are you the Johnny Frolicstein on this Pogos episode? And I was like, yes, <laughs> I am the Johnny Frolicstein on this episode, and the only Johnny Frolicstein that you'll ever run into probably for the next very long time. There's this guy... Jo- <laughs> There's this guy on this podcast with a very unique name like yours that kind of sounds like you and then also referenced playing Frisbee and going to Rice University. Are you the same guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and is blonde and lives in Pelham, New York. I, yeah, I could hear that he was blonde. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. They could. No, but yeah, that, that's always been fun. Another really fun thing was when um, one of Anna Grace's friends who, like, loves the show. Anna Grace, your girlfriend, for anyone yeah, unaware. Sorry. Duh. Um, see, I feel like we're just talking. <laughs> One of Anna Grace's friends was a like really big fan of the show. And for his birthday, we were doing like a trivia night and we, we told them to plan like a halftime show for the trivia night. And at halftime, and obviously Mike wasn't like taking it back here. I, I told him we were going to do this, but I FaceTimed him and like gave the phone to Anna Grace's friend and he was like floored. He was so excited about it. Um, so I don't know, little stuff like that along the way. It's been really, really fun. Yeah, it's always cool. It's always a fun time. I am very fortunate to be in the position I'm in, and I try to stay humble at all times. And I'm just continually very thankful that I am put in this position where I get to do this for a living, and I get to meet a bunch of cool people through it. And it's just great. It's a whole bunch of nerds just having a good time. And I look forward to the day where we can return to full normalcy of doing meetups and shows and conventions. And I can finally do the Europe tour and all that stuff. The nice thing is that I do not have to stay humble on your behalf. So whenever, (laughs) you know, friends or coworkers are like, why are you going to Grand Rapids? I'm like, well, my friend has this badass podcast that has a bazillion <laughs> listeners per episode, and you should listen. 69 and- million, baby. This episode is going to put us over 69 million total downloads, which is the absolutely perfect place to end weekly podcast. You know what I say to that? <laughs> Sick. <laughs> you know what I say to that? Cool. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> oh, sorry. 69 is the weed one. Uh, blaze. blaze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 69 million downloads. Blaze, blaze it. <laughs> But no, it's it's been cool. It was very funny to hear your coworkers that whole week 
ask you on all your different calls. Wait, so you're you're guesting on your friend's podcast live? What's happening? Like, like oh, it's, it's live? Like, can I stream it? Like, no, 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 not that kind of live. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, it's so good that I will I will never have to stop explaining to people what a podcast is, and then also how is that my job? And I got to do it to your mom in Chicago. I got to explain that to your mother, which was very fun because your mom is very sassy. And there are times when people don't believe that this is my job, that it is frustrating and insulting when people either say that's not a real job or whatever. But your, your mom was in more of just like comic disbelief. But then once I explained stuff, she accepted it and thought it was cool as opposed to continuing to having that disbelief, which I have had with other people. Thankfully, no one really close to me, like none of my close friends or relatives or anything like that or any of Kelly's extended family. But I've had some people just kind of be very snooty about it. And uh, I was very appreciative that Mama Frawl was not snooty. Oh, no, Carol, Carol knew for sure that it was like (laughs) legit and awesome. And she like, she was definitely just teasing you and she was like, can they pay you for that? We got to get Carol and Barb together. That's a match say, made we in get heaven. Carol and Barb together and record it and make it like a bonus episode. <laughs> yes. Just no, no agenda. Just Carol and Barb. Just go. <laughs> just, you two. Start. It'll be a blast. Oh, man. Well, thank you for everything along this journey. Thank you for always being a big supporter and a big help in times of extreme oh shit not even just being a supporter and a cheerleader of the show but also even recently i had i had some sort of like website something was wrong with the live show page and we were on the road and i needed you to log into wix to update it because i couldn't do it from the car (laughs) like stuff like that and i feel like that isn't the first time i've had you do something like that like i feel like i've put up an oh shit but i know johnny has my back flag before so i've always appreciated that and Doing the live shows with you is always a blast, and I'm very excited in just a matter of days to do the Philly one. At the time this episode will release, we will be about to take the stage in Philly. So it's going to be some cool stuff, and I appreciate everything that you've done. And uh, it doesn't stop here. You're a Percy Jackson boy, so you'll be along for the newest Olympian ride as well. I sure will. And yeah, like you don't have to thank me for any of that, dog. Like, I don't know. You're such a good friend that like this is just... Like, none of it feels like like you owe me one or anything like that, right? It's just like, it's, it, this is a healthy relationship is what this is. This is a healthy male <laughs> friendship. It is. I could not be more thankful for it. I agree. I love you. We say I love you to each other every time we say goodbye, which is great. It's very and sweet. I think that's healthy. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just... I just know that I can depend on you in life and friendships and stuff too. But like, it's also happened with the podcast too. And I was so calm anytime I was having you on the show or doing a live show with you or anything in regards to the show at all. Like I supremely trusted you and all of that. And it's been really cool. And I'm very thankful and I'm glad it doesn't have to end here. I'm glad it can continue with the next Potterless style podcast as I uh, figure out what this whole Percy Jackson business is all about. Spoiler alert, I'm obsessed with these books and Every, like, they're so much better than Harry Potter. Oh, wow. That's a claim and a half. <laughs> I'm eight chapters in. It's already way better than Harry Potter. We, we're we kidding ourselves. The books are perfect. Can, Percy Jackson's perfect. great. Uh, we, we, can, we, can, we can get into that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about what happened on the plane back from the tour really quickly. <laughs> oh, okay, do it. Yeah, do it Do it quick because we are exceedingly over time. This is going to be the longest episode of ever. I don't care, but that's a good note to end this Well, on. you can cut this for time if you have to. No, no, no. Uh, Please, we're keeping it in because you love this more than anything that's ever happened in your life. So you got to air it out to the people. So we were sitting on this flight 
And it was one of the flights that has little screens on the back of the chairs. So we, being the big silly boys that we are, did not opt to watch a movie or a TV show or anything like that. We played the, like, extremely shitty, like, Delta <laughs> plane games. Sorry if you're, like, the Delta plane game designer. I didn't mean that. They're really fun. We had a blast. And the one of the last games that we played was, like, Texas Hold'em. <laughs> and I hate poker. I think poker is the worst. It is so overrated and not entertaining, but what happened was perfect. We were on a mission. We were, like, beating all these games. Like, we beat chess on hard mode, which was easy because we're both good at it. Mm-hmm. We, like, beat Solitaire. We played all these games. And then we're playing We Texas played Hold'em two poker. versions of Trivia, and we did very well in both of those. Yep, 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 yep. And then we get to Texas Hold'em, and we're playing, and we're, like, not doing very well. It's probably, like, ten hands in... And then we got like ace jack of diamonds or something in our hand, which I'm sorry if you don't know poker rules. It was it was of hearts. It was hearts. I think we got either ace jack or ace ten. Yeah, one of I think we two. got ace ten. I think we had ace ten, and we were thinking, all right, this is pretty good. And like after the first four cards had come out, we also had we also had the jack and the king. Right. All we needed was the queen to make a royal flush happen. And I lean over and I'm like, are we about to get a royal flush? And you're like. I mean, maybe, but, like, probably not. Like, we both had the realization at the same time that it was possible, and it was very cool. We knew at this point we were going to win. If we just got a heart, we were going to get a flush, and that was going to put us in great position. So we were already betting pretty high. But there was a tiny little piece of us was like, oh, my God, but but what if we but what if we got a royal flush? Like, but what if we kissed? Like, <laughs> it literally that. that. And then the fifth card turns over, and it's the motherfucking queen. <laughs> And literally got a royal, which the odds of getting a royal flush in one hand of Texas Hold'em poker is one in 2.5 million. And I refuse to believe that the Delta version of Texas Hold'em is in any way rigged. No. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way that they put something into the game where they said, okay, after 10 hands, give them a royal flush to make them happy because they've no financial vested interest in you enjoying it. It's not like a slot machine type thing where they try to make a certain amount of things be a winning amount so that you're incentivized to stay. There's no, I, there can't be anything behind this. Or maybe there is because now I'm like only flying Delta for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Let us know if you're the game designer, shoot us an email. But yeah, we got the royal flush. Confetti rain down from the ceiling of the plane. Right. Where the oxygen masks come down instead, confetti came down. Yeah. 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 And like, (laughs) yeah. And then like the, the, the flight attendants walk by and they're like all of a sudden in casino outfits now. It was like, it was nuts. Right. It was just like if you ever are at a bar and you see someone get bottle service where they come over the champagne bottle with sparklers out of it. They did that down the plane and gave it to us. The one thing that I do think was disappointing is in this game, when you would win or whatever hand you had, it would display on the screen what your hand was. So it would say two pair, full house, whatever. And it did just say straight flush, which is technically the thing. A royal flush isn't a different type of hand. It's just the best version of a straight flush so it's not technically incorrect but i did want it to let us know that we did the thing yeah we did the thing no there was no fanfare there was remarkably little fan and hearts is the second highest suit so there was only one combination of cards better than what we did out of any possibility of anything jesus spades is the only thing that could have defeated that god that was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life and then we talked about it for the rest of the flight and the rest of the walk from deplaning up until we had to take separate taxis, separate ways for me to go to Manhattan and you to go to more northern parts of New York. And then we texted about it for 10 days and then we did this recording. (laughs) 
Yep. And here we are. Potterless. Bang, bang, boom. That's it. That's the end. That's it. That's how we're ending it. That's, I mean, that's literally how we're ending it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there will be, there will be episodes. Next Monday, there's going to be the first episode of the newest Olympian so everyone can hear what it's like. We're going to be posting live show audio and stuff like that. So the, the feed is not going away forever. The feed is staying the same. The newest Olympians on a separate feed, but anytime I do a live show or a convention or something, and I'm given the audio, I will post it onto, uh, onto the feed for everyone to listen to. But Johnny, thank you so much for joining and, and chatting. This was this was a blast. Thank you so much for everything. This is just the best. This is the best, and I'm glad this is not goodbye. It's just, and it's not even see you later. It's just, I'll see you in this other room where we've got uh, Percy Jackson hanging out. I was going to say gods instead of wizards. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We've got Greek gods instead of wizards, and we have a sassy character that has great comebacks but also just a, a novel concept asks questions of people <laughs> yeah i know harry has this whole thing where like petunia told him not to ask questions whatever but i appreciate that percy jackson actually when he's wondering what the hell is going on he actually asks everyone around him what the hell is going on <laughs> it's great i really really like it well i guess this is it this is it man thanks again i love you and, uh, and as they say as they say in the oh yeah jeepers creepers and thank, thank you, listeners, for, for listening. I love you as well, listeners. And uh, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they stop posting weekly episodes of a podcast that they've made for almost five years. Oh, Wizard, Wizard on! on! My gosh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Potterless and for just being along in the ride in general. The ride is not necessarily ending. It is just skirting onto a new track, and that track is a Percy Jackson-themed underwater train. If you want to listen to my journey reading the Percy Jackson books, you can subscribe to that new podcast, The Newest Olympian, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Newest Olympian. You can also go to our website, thenewestolympian.com. It's going to be great. All the things that you love about Potterless are going to be carrying over, and I am already eight chapters into the books, and I'm absolutely obsessed, so it's going to be fun. It's going to have a similar vibe to Potterless, but still feel like a new experience. So whether you are someone who has read the books a lot and you want to take a trip down memory lane or you've never read them before and you want an excuse to read them, you've been telling yourself, I've been meaning to read those books. This can be that thing that puts you over the edge and you start to read them. And it's like a digital book club and you can have a whole community around that, whether that's with our Facebook groups or the patron only discord or just talking on social media. There's all sorts of fun ways to be a part of this community. And I'm really excited. The Potterless community is so fantastic. And I think we're going to have another great one with the newest Olympian as well. So I would love for you to be a part of it by listening to the show and getting involved with all the other folks listening to the show. So again, that's called The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. And this episode also had some editing assistance from Sherry Guo. It is produced by Mike Schubert and a whole bunch of people that, again, I'm not doing the whole thing because I'm really pressed for time here for this final episode. But for all the producer-level patrons, thank you so much. For any patron, thank you so much. For any person that just listened to the show, thank you so much. You can find us on anything you want if you just search Potterless. We're there. And I look forward to posting live show and convention audio. So this is not goodbye. It's just I'll see you later. And in the meantime... Let's talk about Percy Jackson. Thank you so much. And until we meet again, when something is posted into the feed, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on. <laughs>